This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. We have a theme running through the year called Transforming 2017. And today I'm going to kick off what is called the process of transformation. So we're going to look at how we can be transformed. Formed. And I want to encourage you this morning because we're going to talk specifically about being Christ-like, about being like Jesus. Now, according to the Bible, this is something that God wants for each of us. God wants each of us to become more like His Son, Jesus Christ. So if He wants that, then what do we want? We should want the same thing for us that God wants for us. God wants us to be the people we were always created to be. So to be transformed, to be transforming, to become Christ-like is where the journey that we're on, the direction that we are heading. Now, from where you are right now, you might think, I'm not very much like Jesus. I'm not a lot Christ-like. Well, it's not where you're starting from, it's where you're heading to. And I want to encourage you this morning to think, I've got a long way to go. It's a bit of a, bit of a leap, it's a bit of a stretch in my imagination to, to think that I could ever be Christ-like. Well, I want to encourage you and show you and demonstrate how this can actually happen and how this can work. Because as we all become more like Jesus, we become a reflection of Jesus on earth. We become an example to people who don't yet know Jesus of how awesome and incredible Jesus really is. So how can I be that person? How can I be transformed to be the person God created me to be? We're going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 3 in just a moment, and it'll be on the screen, so you don't need to struggle to find it, but by all means, if you want to do that on your Bible, on your tablet, or your phone, or whatever. But he is, just to set it up, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul's writing to a church in Corinth, and also applicable for us today, but he's talking about the contrast between before Jesus and after Jesus. He's talking about the fact that for the people who knew God before Jesus, they had like a, 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 a sort of a, a blurred image of who God really was. And he then says that when we know Jesus, when we turn to God, we have a a better picture of who Jesus really is. So here it is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we shall read it, um, and it'll all make loads of sense, I'm sure. So here it is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul says, when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So with a veil, you can't see things as clearly, okay? So when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So this is a key, there's a key here. It's what we see. No longer through a veil, no, no longer obscured, but very clearly. When we turn to God, we can see Him very clearly. And it talks about the freedom that we have in knowing Jesus. And then it talks about how we become increasingly transformed into His image. That doesn't mean that our physical appearance looks the same. It means that our character, it means who we are, becomes more like Jesus, a reflection of who He is. So what can you clearly see? 
Can you really see Jesus for who he is? Have you got a, a clear image? And I want to kind of take away some of that. I want to kind of, it's a bit like on a, on a, on a, a, a misted up window. I wanted to kind of take a, a, a cloth and kind of clean that window so you can clearly see who Jesus really is. So there's no, it's not obscured. It's not like, like, like misty. It's, it, it's, it's very clear. So what can you see is one question. Who is the boss? I guess, is another question. Is Jesus the Lord? Have you turned to him as Lord? And finally, how free are we? So we can see and reflect the image of God. Just imagine a mirror. You're looking into a mirror. You've got a bright light behind you. It shows up everything. It shows up your flaws. Not that there's only me, obviously, would have any of them. I'm not suggesting any of you would have them. But you see exactly the detail on that, on that mirror. But if you switch the light off, you just see a bit of, a, a bit of an obscure image. Well, I believe that God wants us to become, as we become Christ-like, we are mirror images of Jesus. We are reflect some of the brilliance and the amazing uh, aspect of his glory. You know, when you walk past a mirror, some of you are like, checking it out. Some of you are like, not bad. Some of you are thinking, oh dear, whatever. I have, I have mostly the latter experience. And uh, you think, I look in the mirror sometimes and say, who is that white-haired chap looking at me? When did that happen? So we all see things, not perhaps as we would like to see or we used to be. And also when we look into our lives, it's true, isn't it? We, we look into our lives, I feel like, as a reflection. We think, well, that's not what I'd like it to look like. That's not who I, I want to be or who I am becoming. And there's probably a couple of things I could do to straighten myself up a little bit. But in that scripture, it says the Spirit, when, when it says we're transformed into His image, another translation says the Spirit makes us much more like Him as we are changed into His glorious images. So the unveiled faces, Old Testament, an obscure image to a degree, New Testament, a much clearer image of who God is through the reflection, through Jesus Christ, through knowing him. So there is the contrast, and we are changed into that. He talks about, you know, we can contemplate, we, we reflect God's glory. I want to read you uh, that scripture again, but from a, a, a paraphrased Bible uh, called the Street Bible, or the Word on the Street. And uh, it just really struck me. It says this. So this is about when we turn to the Lord, when we become Christians. It says, when we turn our lives back towards the boss, the mask is taken off. The boss is the Spirit of God, and wherever God's Spirit is, there's freedom. We've got our masks off, and God's brilliance is bouncing off our faces. What an image. God's brilliance is bouncing off our faces. It's changing us. Our features are evolving. We're looking more and more attractive. Yeah, you're receiving this? You're looking more and more attractive. As God's Spirit puts plastic surgeons out of work. Only our boss makes us look truly beautiful. Yeah, why not? Our boss, Jesus, makes us look beautiful because when we reflect something of Jesus, you can never be better looking than that. 
you just could never be better looking than that. So I just love that, just awesome, the fact that with a process of transformation means that we, be, as we are becoming Christ-like, we're beginning to look more like Jesus. And we're not, we're not puffed up with pride about that. We're just, we're just grateful and, 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 and thankful and, and just appreciate the fact that something of Jesus can shine through us. I love that. We have been transformed into his image. It's the ongoing work of God in our lives that we are continually being transformed to look more like Jesus, to become more like Jesus. So if you're a Christian, that's what's going on right now. If you're a Christian, you're following Jesus the best you can in his strength, then you are becoming more and more like Jesus. You are becoming transformed. I love that. In Romans 8, 29, it says, God has predestined us to be conformed into his image, into the image of his son. Conformed is not kind of a, a, that appealing kind of word. It's, kind of, it's almost like you're forced into something, okay? But another way of looking at it is that God has chosen us to become like his son. God has chosen us to be like his son. So making us Christ-like is God's work in you and with me. So when we think about transformation and we think about becoming Christ-like, we don't sort of kind of back away from this concept thinking, this is impossible, I'll never get there. No, we accept the fact that God is at work in us and God will complete the work. In Philippians 1.6 it says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, what God has started, he will complete in you until Jesus returns one day. We look forward to that. We live in expectation of that. But in the meantime, we're living the best we can for Jesus. And God is at work in us, transforming us, conforming us, choosing us to be look like his son. Love it. That doesn't mean we sit back and wait till, you know, it'll be, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. When I get to heaven, I'll be, I'll be awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll look like Jesus. No, the, pro- the process of transformation is now. It's ongoing now. And when we cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we become more like Jesus. So becoming Christ-like requires both God's power and me and you taking responsibility. It's not all down to Him. He does the work, but we cooperate with them. You know, when someone's trying to help you, you get a lot further by cooperation. If you ask someone for directions, but don't listen to the answer, you ask someone for advice about a particular thing, but you, you ignore the advice, it's not, there's no help in that. But when we receive something from God, His Spirit is working us, and we cooperate with that, we get somewhere, we make some progress. So we are transformed into His image. So there's kind of three words I want you, I'm asking you to remember this week. And they are simply this, lordship, freedom, and growth. Lordship, freedom, and growth. Maybe I'll test you as you walk in next Sunday. Have you remembered those three words? Just a joke, right? Relax. Lordship, freedom, and growth. So it's a lordship of Christ in our lives. It's making Jesus the boss, the number one, the center. And we, we've, we've, we've visited this idea a couple of times over the last few weeks. But it's making him central, number one, first thought, and so on. Freedom, it's about freedom from sin. It's so that we're not held back by how, what we have done in the past. So we have to keep on re- 
repeating those mistakes. It's not about that. It's about the fact that God has helped us to live in freedom. And also about growth. It's about our spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is measured when we see how much more we look like Jesus. So lordship, freedom, growth. Think about those three things this week. And uh, let's let's see where you go with it. What's the best that can happen? That you concentrate on make Jesus Lord? That you live more free? That you grow? Not bad, eh? Not a bad week. Encouraged, challenged, let's go for it. So first of all, Lordship. It's the Lordship of Christ. He is the boss. We've declared him Lord. We say, God, you're number one. We've made that decision. We've invited him to be Lord's of our lives. Becoming more Christ-like is a result of, our sur- of us surrendering to God. Now, when you say the word surrender, that brings up all sorts of images. It normally talks about when you've been defeated, the only option you have to do is to surrender. It's not like this in this idea, right? Because we have chosen to surrender to God. We have not been forced into that position. We've chosen to say, God, you're in charge. I'm going to give up striving and working to sort it out and trying to be a better person or a better Christian. I'm going to give up that idea that it's about me and about I've got to strive and work hard. God, I am surrendering to you, to your lordship. You are first and centre. And in Romans chapter 12, we we looked at this scripture uh, at the beginning of the year when we talked about being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And in Romans 12, at the beginning of of that scripture, it it, it uses this concept in verse 1. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So a living sacrifice is that we choose to be the sacrifice. We die to ourselves, but we live for God. Here's the thing where we give our lives to God, but we get our lives back and some. We get all that we give back with interest. So we say, God, I'm giving you myself, everything I am, everything I have. I'm giving it to you, and we get it all back with interest to live for Jesus. So it's a, a wonderful concept that we, could, that we can offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So we get to live for him. That's what it is. And when we talk about sacrifice, we talk about God first, not me first, not others first, God first. But actually, in reality, what happens when we live for God first, our, the rest of our lives are much more incredible, I believe, and that is my experience. It goes on to say, verse 2, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We've talked about that. So then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So transformed, not conformed to the world. So we get to choose. We're going to live for God and to be like him, or we're going to live to ourselves and, uh, uh, and live anywhere, anywhere like our culture tells us we should live, or we decide, no, we're not, we're not going to conform. We're not going to become like that. We're going to become like him. We're not going to be like something that we see around us. We're going to be Christ-like. It's a decision to do that. And that happens when we make him Lord, it says, this is your true and proper worship, Romans uh, 12 verse 1. So it's our real worship. Worship is dedicating all you have and all you are to God. That's as good a way I can kind of 
um, explain it or define it. We just think worship sometimes is, you know, the songs we sing in here when we raise our hands, that's worship. That is worship, but worship is giving all that we have and are to God, dedicating our lives to God. And as I said, we get back way more than we ever give when we do that. We volunteer ourselves. Now, that doesn't condemn ourselves to a life of sort of a restricted life, a life of a dudgery, a a beige life, a a grey life where where it's kind of just, well, I've just got to do this, I've just got to do that, I've got to be a boring Christian. It's not that at all. It opens up to an incredible, uh, colourful life, a colourful world when we live for Jesus. It releases us to a life of joy and purpose when our minds are renewed. So, Lordship examples. When we look in the New Testament, we see where Jesus said to people, follow me. They followed him. Levi, in Mark chapter 2, he left everything immediately and followed Jesus. You know, John the Baptist, who was a forerunner of Jesus, Jesus' cousin, he's like telling people, the Messiah is coming, Jesus is coming. And he used this word he said about Jesus. He said, he must become greater, I must become less. So it's an example, these examples we have to follow, of making Jesus Lord. Do we freely surrender for all for the sake of Jesus. The Lordship is Christ of Christ is essential for our transformation. Until we get this right and put God first, we ain't going to get anywhere. This is the start. This is the foundation. This is where we're working from when we give. To become Christ-like, Jesus must be Lord completely. It's a real key. So we talk about Lordship, making Jesus number one, making him center, putting him first, our first thought. Secondly, it's freedom. And it's freedom from sin. Now, sin's an old-fashioned word, but it means our selfishness, doing our thing, not God's thing, the mistakes we've made, all of those kind of things. Well, I don't want to repeat my mistakes. I don't want to live a selfish life. So I'm saying to God, I want to be free from sin. In the scripture that we read, verse 17 of, of 2 Corinthians 3 said, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So the Bible tells us when we become Christians, Jesus lives in us by his Spirit. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. In my life, there is freedom because God lives in me. That's what it's about. So freedom comes from that. Galatians 5.1, it was for freedom that Christ has set you free. So don't you dare live it bound when God set you free for freedom. It's ridiculous that we would live back there when God set us free to live for him. Jesus lived a sinful life as our example. You know, if we're not living in freedom, there's something wrong with our relationship with God. If we're not living in freedom, we need to Decide, well, I'm going to stay in freedom. I'm going to live in freedom. I'm not going to live in anywhere in bondage whatsoever. Dan's going to help me with this uh, short illustration. But just, Im- just imagine, here is a, ro- here is a, a, a rope that I am, that's got me, got me bound. He's there. Come on. So you have to use your eva- imagination, but... Dan's going to represent sin. Okay, so. So here I am, living, here I am 
bound by sin. I cannot go forward because sin's holding me back. The things that I do are holding me back. I cannot grow more like God. I cannot become more Christ-like because I'm being held back. I'm trying. I'm trying to get forward. I'm trying to move forward, but I'm being held back by this big, ugly sin that's holding me back. So, so I'm, being, I'm being held back. I'm being held back by sin. So in my own strength, I'm going, to keep, I'm going to try my best. I'm going to keep working harder. In my strength, I think I can do it. I think I, but all I'm going to do is become more frustrated in seeking to do that. But actually, those who have turned to the Lord, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, are live in freedom. So I, I don't have to live like this because actually I have been released from that. Thanks, mate. Thanks, thanks, thanks for helping me. So just remember that. The things that would seek to hold you, they're gone. They've been, dealt, they've been dealt with no longer. No longer. We are those who have turned to the Lord. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, when He lives in us, 2 Corinthians 3 says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So I'm not, I'm not held back. I can progress. I can go forward in living for God because these things are not holding me back. So I'm not going to revisit them because they're dealt with. And, you know, God gives us the strength to, to move forward. If, you, if you, this is kind of resonating with you and you want to, want to kind of think about this a bit more, check out Romans chapter 6. Read Romans chapter 6 perhaps sometime this week and it shows you how the power of sin has been broken. I've not got time to, to dig into that too far this morning, but the power of sin has been has been broken. It says in Romans 6.14, sin is no longer our master. So the things we used to do, we aren't doing anymore. The things that bound us, we aren't, they don't hold us anymore because we have been set free to live free. Jesus gives us the example when we are obedient, when, uh, example of obedience, an example of sacrificial love, example of patient suffering. All of these things are an example. We just keep going because we are free. And I want to release you to live in freedom this morning. I don't want you to be in condemnation. Romans 8, 28, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, for those who are being transformed in Christ. You are not condemned by what you did in the past or what's behind you. It's gone. It's finished. And when it comes to having freedom from sin in our lives, we've got God's help. You know, the Bible tells us, first of all, we've got His Word the Bible, the psalmist said in 119, Psalm 119 verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I will not sin against you. So he's saying how you get free from sin is you have the word of God in your heart, in your mind, and in your heart. And that helps you to know what to do so you don't repeat the mistakes. The Bible also tells us that Jesus is praying for us. He's at the right hand of God. It uses the word interceding. He, he, he's sticking up for us. He, 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 he's praying for us. Uh, and so, so on. Hebrews 7.25, therefore he is able to, to save completely those who come to God through him because he lives to intercede for them. So he's alive and he's praying for you. We have his word, we have his prayers, and we have the spirit that lives in us. Live according to the Spirit. 
Romans 8, 4, there's freedom. Walk by the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16, there is freedom. So when we live and the Spirit lives in us and we walk by the Spirit, we are free. We have freedom to live for God. And I want to get you released this morning to live in freedom because I see so many Christians and we've all probably been there. This is not a, a judgment on anyone, but we've all probably been there at times in our life. We get stuck. We're getting somewhere and we get stuck. And God says, don't be stuck. You can have freedom to live the best life possible in me. With all that help and strength that God has, his word, his prayers, the spirit living in us, no condemnation, we can live free. Freedom means that there is no rope, literal or imaginary, that's holding us back. We live free. Lordship, freedom. Number three, growth. We can grow in God. Spiritual growth is becoming more Christ-like. When we first become Christians, we don't know a whole lot. You know, we're interested in the things of God. You might not know much about the Bible, the the Word of God. You might not know much about... Uh, about the wisdom of God. You you might be inexperienced in the grace and the love of God. That's okay. Because we all start somewhere. It's okay. Relax to think, I've got all the rest of my life to learn more about Jesus. I've got all the rest of my life to accumulate knowledge about the things of God. There's loads of time to do it. It's okay. There's room and there's time to grow if you're in the right environment. When kids start school at four or five year old, they're not excluded because they don't know everything they will know when they graduate at 18. They're not, because it's okay. You come at that level and you learn. And you, by being at school, you're in a place of learning. There is an environment, there's a culture, there's an opportunity to learn. It's okay. So when you're in this culture and in this, this atmosphere, this is a place of learning. And you think, I don't know a lot. It's okay because the Spirit... God's Spirit will help you to understand, but by bit by bit by bit, we can learn here in this environment. It's like a greenhouse environment where we can learn. And then when we at home on our own, which is, is equally important, we can open the Word of God and we can learn. We can get involved in a small group, a life group, and then we can learn with others and from others. So there's an environment, there's things we can positively do to learn and grow more like Jesus, and then we get out in the culture and we reflect something of his ever-increasingly, ever-increasing glory. To becoming Christ-like, we have to grow. The Bible talks about us in 2 Peter 3 that we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what are we growing in? In grace and knowledge. When you talk about knowledge... When it talks about knowledge in the Word of God, it doesn't just mean that we know loads of the Bible so we can tell people where they're going wrong. That's not what it is, right? It's so that we know something of the things of God so that we can live well for Jesus. It's apply, apply, apply. It's a practical ex- um, application of the Word of God. It's not to be an expert, but it's to, be, it's to grow to be more like Jesus, to be transformed, to become more Christ-like, to grow in grace. How do you grow in grace? Well, you grow in grace by, by operating in grace. It's, it's, it's not something that's just an academic subject. The grace and love of God is not an academic subject 
per se, it's something that we have to experience and experiment in and learn in and, and practice and, and so on and so on. 1 Thessalonians 3.12, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for everyone and everyone else. When we love God, loads, we really love God, it overflows to other people. That's normal, that's natural. It's how God designed it to be. But how do you measure spiritual growth? How do you measure spiritual growth? Now, if it was a case of measuring a child, there'd be a way to measure with a tape measure. We've got a, got a picture we'll show you. Now, some of you uh, might, might have done this with, 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 your, with your children. You might have a door at home that you've not painted the back of it because you've measured your kids. Not a lot of use for this when I was growing up, but, but uh, it can be very helpful and very useful that you measure child's progress. Now, it's simple to see that the child is taller than she was last year or the year before, whatever. There's a measure of, of, of natural growth. And as we become older, we don't grow any taller, but hopefully we still continue to grow because we grow in, in, by our experiences. We, we grow with knowledge and so on and so forth. So we can measure physical height that level of growth, but how do we measure spiritual growth? Well, it's about, um, you know, how, how um, selfless am I? How reliable am I? How more like becoming more like Jesus am I? How generous am I? How, how, how patient am I? You know, in a world that measures mostly possessions and experiences, we have got something way better to experience to offer and to demonstrate and that's growth in the things of God in our character. Keys to spiritual growth are our obedience to God, our study of his word, being in community with other Christians and and staying in love with God and, and continuing to praise God. Whatever happens, you know, the song we sang earlier, you know, when I'm in the storm, the storm's not in me. And, and we, we keep praising God and whatever we're going through, we, we don't take our focus off, off Jesus. We say, yeah, this is rubbish right now. This, this is a bad experience. This is possibly the worst experience I've been in in my life in many different ways. But I still love you, God. I know you've not abandoned me, so I'm going to praise you. That shows us that we are growing spiritually. How we act and react to different situations. You know, if we keep on repeating the same mistakes, we have not grown. And if whatever we uh, invest in, we reap a reward in. So if I'm seeking to grow more like Jesus, over time, I'll get there with God's help and in God's strength. But if I'm quite happy how I am and, and just want to kind of sit around and say, I, I, I'm there, I've achieved it, I'm, and, and I'll just be a bit of an expert on how other people are going on, that's not it. That's definitely not it. It's about growing. It's about our spiritual development and growth. So who do we see? Who do we reflect? Who's the boss? Am I free? And am I growing? Right now, God is working in us. The process of transformation, when we cooperate with him, is making us more Christ-like. Back to the scripture we started with. We all with unveiled faces... The musicians will get ready. We all with unfailed faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So while our scripture's up there, just think about the process that's happening. It's a continual. 
we continue to be transformed into his image. It is a process that is ongoing. So I want you to be encouraged to us this morning that God's not finished with you. It's not over if you're struggling and you're not seem to be getting anywhere. God's at work. Cooperate with him by his spirit and we'll get, where, get somewhere. The Bible tells us in 1 John 3, 2, when he appears, that's when Jesus comes back, we shall see him for we shall... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The promise of one day being completely Christ-like should motivate us now to become increasingly Christ-like in that process of developing as the best we can, the process of transformation. Lordship, freedom, growth. These things, when these things are working together and we cooperate with God, we are will become more Christ-like. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.